she was having some trouble with her daughter's eating and she said she'd been to the hospital and she'd seen the doctors but she felt that they she wasn't met with kindness and respect and and it was a real like it's a really stressful time if your child isn't eating much or isn't eating well or you've got problems with with food it can be really stressful because as parents we want the best for our children and we want them to eat well and we want them to be nourished and when they're not it becomes the stress I think it's it's something you feel physically like you feel really physically stressed about it um so she was really struggling she said that she, we kind of sat down and had a chat over coffee in the in the in the class and she said oh this is amazing thank you so much for listening to me that's the first time somebody's actually really listened to me and given me some really kind of practical advice but that's coming from a place of kindness mm. and that's where the idea for the food tree came about hi everyone and welcome today i have rachel wilson joining me sharing her knowledge and wisdom around developing healthy eating habits in children she is one of the co-founders of an amazing organization called the food tree which helps parents and caregivers understand how to implement um, an environment of for successful eating. Rachel is originally from Ireland and she currently resides in New Zealand. Without further ado, let's welcome Rachel. Hi Rachel, welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> really, really happy to talk to you today because I know that there are quite a few parents out there who maybe struggling with meal times with their children. So I think this, this will be really helpful for a lot of our listeners today. Brilliant. <laughs> so do you wanna just uh, go start with um, sharing with our audience how, how the food tree came about? Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a dietitian. I've been a dietitian for around kind of 20 years nearly. Um, and I've always worked a little bit differently. My mom's a therapist. So I grew up with kind of lots of, how do you feel about that? And me as a teenager going, I don't want to talk about my feelings, leave me alone. <laughs> um, but when I got into doing dietetic work, I realized that food was more than just um, nutrition, that there was this whole other side of things like what motivates people in their food choices and how people feel about their bodies and, and our relationship with food. Um, and I... I'd had my children and I got into kind of doing a lot of mindfulness stuff and mindful self-compassion and, and I kind of my children were quite close together. I have a 15 month age gap between my kids and I started doing all this other stuff to help myself. So I did mindful parenting and, and mindful self-compassion and stuff. And then I went, actually, some of this stuff would be really helpful for what I do in my other work <laughs> kind of um, and so then did mindful eating and intuitive eating and, and kind of went down that track um but then I met Lauren who's my business partner and we met at a at a rye parenting group um so we, we met at a toddler kind of I did the infant and toddler course so we we kind of met at the toddler one and she was having some struggles with her daughter's eating and she's a she's an incredible early childhood teacher she's um forest school trained in the UK and yeah she's just wonderful heart-centered care um just yeah and really knowledgeable but she was having some trouble with her daughter's eating and she said she'd been to the hospital and she'd seen the doctors but she felt that they she wasn't met with kindness and respect and and it was a real like it's a really stressful time if your child isn't eating much or isn't eating well or you've got problems with with food it can be really stressful because as parents 
we want the best for our children and we want them to eat well and we want them to be nourished and when they're not it becomes the stress I think it's it's something you feel physically like you feel really physically stressed about it um so she was really struggling she said that she, we kind of sat down and had a chat over coffee in the in the in the class and she said oh this is amazing thank you so much for listening to me that's the first time somebody's actually really listened to me and given me some really kind of practical advice but that's coming from a place of kindness mm. and that's where the idea for the food tree came about it was looking at kind of advice for for new food and nutrition and bodies but that it's coming from a place of kindness and compassion um, so yeah mm. so we do a lot of different stuff we I've kind of done a lot more stuff in body image and eating disorder work recently but we also f- focus on on children and fussy eating and starting solids and, and allergy management and things like that mm. Okay, and so and so, if uh, say if a, a parent or a caregiver is listening and they have a child who is really fussy at the moment, or you know comes to the table, has one bite and leaves, and that's it for the entire day, how what can we do to to help this child or help us uh, <laughs> to center yeah. ourselves and to be okay with that and. Um, finding ways to move move through that Hmm. there's there's quite a few things um if we start one of the things that i i I trained with with an incredible dietitian and family therapist in the us called ellen satter um and she's kind of one of the she's in her 70s or 80s now and she's but she's one of the pioneers of the relationship with food and and how to create a structure that helps children to develop autonomy around their their bodies when it comes to food. Um, So one of the things that she talks about is something called the division of responsibility. So as parents, we're responsible for the what, the when, and the where of food. So we decide what goes on the dinner table. So we decide what we're gonna feed our children, um, where mealtimes are gonna be. So whether that's a picnic table out in the park or sat at the table or, so we decide where mealtimes are and we decide the structure and routine of when food is served. And after that, we leave it up to children to decide whether and if they wanna eat. So they have re- control of their own bodies in terms of deciding if they wanna eat as from what you've put on the table. Um, I usually give parents some guidance around um, the what, so what to feed and, and how to feed. Um, mm-hmm. Children really like structure so they they kind of I don't know if you've heard Nathan Wallace talking about kind of how structure and boundaries are are kind of create that space of safety for children so having having a structure that children know what's coming next so if they know we have breakfast snack lunch snack evening meal snack kind of they like that kind of structure around food that they know what's coming and, and when meal times are so we talk about having a structure around meal times that children know when food's coming um but also allowing some freedom of choice within that. So one of the things, particularly with fussy eaters is serving foods family style. So that is where you kind of do a smorgasbord meal where you put the food out in the middle of the table and let children self-select from what's on the table. Mm. Um, What if if the child only wants to eat, um, say the sweet sugary foods? what we need to do is really there's two things and I'll kind of one thing is that we need to let children children's intakes will vary from day to day from week to week like there was research studies looking at um 
children, a toddlers, a kind of older toddlers from three to five. And their meals, the intake that they were having was varying from 400 calories a day to 4,000 calories a day. Oh, wow. So there's a huge variation in what children will eat. The Um, same child? The same child, yeah. Wow. So there's going to be days where they're absolutely starving and you can't fill them up. And there's going to be days where they will eat next to nothing. And that's normal. Um, Mm -hmm. And an element of kind of fear about trying new foods is is normal as well and um, so coming back to your question I'm kind of yeah we we need to let children choose what they feel like eating sometimes it's going to be all the carbs sometimes it's going to be lots of fruit sometimes it's going to be just dairy foods but they will over the whole week manage to meet their requirements and um, I've worked with with children who only I, I do a lot of work with a group of children that have a diagnosis called ARFID which is a really really selective eating disorder and they some of them will only be eating five foods but I'm always surprised when I do a nutritional analysis on them most of them manage to meet the requirements which is amazing mm-hmm. um, so generally children will get what they need um, but with sweet foods it's one of the f- areas where they the kind of sweet foods have a little bit of an upper hand so it's a bit of um, an exception to the division of responsibility so children need to learn how to eat sweet foods because they're around, <laughs> they're in our lives. Um, but there's some ways that we can structure how we allow children to learn how to eat those foods and to learn how to self-regulate those foods because they can learn to self-regulate them if we give them the opportunity to do that. So I would look at having something sweet, a child-sized portion of something sweet mm-hmm. at meal times a couple of times a week. So like a child size portion is about the size of the palm of their hand. Mm-hmm. So that sort of size portion of be it a muffin or some ice cream or um, some cookies or something, whatever it is, everybody has different food beliefs when it comes to sugar, like or, or food in general, like some people like more plant-based meals. Some people are concerned about the environment and they eat for sustainability. Um, some people have religious um, beliefs that affect how they feed. Um, and, and people have different um, foods that they like and preferences and things as a family. So children will learn to eat how we eat um, and given repeated exposure to a wide range of foods. Mm. So with mealtimes, you're giving them, with, with sugary foods, you're giving them the exposure a couple of times a week at a mealtime where the food is served at the same time as the other food, which people think that's crazy. <laughs> I'm not putting chocolate on the table at the same time as the spaghetti bolognese. (laughs) But that's our conditioning, right? That's our conditioning. You like a reward, a dessert. When you eat everything else, then you get the sweet stuff, which puts it on a pedestal. Totally. Yeah, Mm. exactly. And the other thing that... that, Yeah, um, we're removing... We're we're making all food be morally equal. So we're taking that pedestal out. Food's just food. Um, it's not a treat. It's not, it's not a reward. It's just food. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's some foods kind of might taste better than other foods. Um, but children can still learn to self-regulate the sweet foods. Uh, the other thing is to give them access to as much as they want to eat at, at outside of a meal time. So maybe at a snack time where it's not going to interfere with their main nutrition from them from the bigger meals. Put the whole box of cookies on the table with some other foods maybe with some like some hummus and carrots and some fruit or whatever but have a have an assortment of different foods but let them eat as much as they want of the other foods 
And what you'll find is that they will, they won't eat the whole packet of biscuits. They will, they might do it the first time if they've been restricted, (laughs) but they will learn how to regulate that. Oh, that's so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, and it's, and it's working, like I work on the other end of the spectrum as well, because I work with adults with, with binge eating disorder. And it's often when I, I hear the same story repeatedly every day coming from people that they remember those moments in, in childhood where they were restricted from their eating. So they learned, it, it's kind of, I, I use the analogy of, um, do you remember with, with the first COVID lockdown, like that we ran out of toilet paper? Yeah. Everybody just went. <laughs> and it's a bit like that with food. Like the more we restrict, the more we we're, we're afraid that it's not going to be there. So um, people just went crazy and just bought all the toilet paper, even though there was never really a restriction there. But it was this perceived notion that they were going to run out and we'd have no no toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with food. So there's kind of this pendulum between kind of diet world or, or restriction and, and, and donut land. And the more time we spend in, in diet world, the more we're going to swing back over into donut land and, and, and kind of into that binging behavior. Mm-hmm. So what we want to teach our children from the beginning is that food's just food. It's there if you want it. You have control over choosing when you want to eat and how much you want to eat rather than this perceived restriction that this food's going to be taken away that you're not going to have access to it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, you've just made me look at myself and um <laughs> you know the uh, when i was a, a child i wasn't allowed sweets or chocolate and if i was it was this tiny tiny piece um yeah. And then that was it. Like at, at Easter, my auntie would give me this big chocolate egg and I was just allowed this tiny piece if I finished all of my food and then it would be put on top of the fridge where I can't reach it. And now as an adult, I I hide chocolate and sweets everywhere. Like it's in my bedside table, it's in my bag. <laughs> so I make sure yeah. I have some if I go out. I make sure yeah. that, you know, there's always some in the kitchen, but it's not in a place where it's with all the other food it's in like some small cupboard what's that some hidden secret place exactly yeah yeah ah that's so interesting it's really interesting there was a study a study done in the US where they got they got children to to put foods into categories so they had foods you you don't like foods you 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 can take or leave and foods you really like and they sent, they, they split them into two groups and they sent half the group away with their families and had the parents use sweets as a reward to eat the foods in the middle category that they weren't, that they didn't really like or, or kind of were in the middle. Mm-hmm. What they found when they then came back and did a, um, another assessment, the children who had been bribed to eat food by using sweets as a reward, put the foods from the not so sure about into the, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because by using food as a reward or or using any sort of reward to get a child to eat a food, so by saying you can eat dessert once you finish this, you're reinforcing the idea psychologically that this is not a nice food, but I can eat chocolate once I eat this not nice food. Mm. Whereas when we just let food just be food, it's broccoli is is food and and chocolate's food. And that's just the way it is. And we, we take that kind of longing and, and kind of um the kind of restriction away so I'm gonna try that on myself I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah because I always I always give myself a bit of chocolate after yeah. a meal um yeah. 
but I yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out at the same time as my vegetables and sustainable food and see what happens (laughs) and and often like sugar has just gotten such a bad rap lately like um like you 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 hear these words like toxic and 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 poison and and um addictive talked about sugar but sugar itself is is it's not proven to be addictive the only research that shows that sugar is addictive is in people who have previously restricted it so the more you restrict sugar, the more you become addicted to it. Um, oh, that's really interesting. Do you think the really same will happen if, uh, say, for example, we said to children, if you finish all your food, you'll get some broccoli? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> really what we want, like it's the development of, of that, like consent and body autonomy is allowing children, like we don't know, like I can't look at you and go, oh, you look really hungry at the moment. Like you can't, you can't know somebody's hunger just by looking at them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same with children, like allowing them to trust their bodies to know when they feel full. Um, and children are born with that kind of innate ability to self-regulate their intake. Um, mm-hmm. As long as we don't get in the way, it's when we we start saying, "Have another bite," or or kind of just finish this. Or and, and it's it can be hard for us because we've grown up with kind of I don't know for for many people they grew up in the, the clean plate club where you weren't allowed to leave the table till you'd finished everything on your plate and um, so it can be really hard for us to... yeah definitely <laughs> I got that as well um and and and, it, and I think now people are more concerned about sustainability so food waste has become a huge thing um but actually thinking about well what ways can we save our food waste and reuse things and um in Auckland, there's a really good website called Love Food Hate Waste that has really cool ideas for how to save your leftovers and repurpose food and stuff. So you don't have to finish everything on your plate. You can use your leftovers in a different way. So um, one of the big things around, yeah. Question about um, how you said, you know, I can't look at you and, and say, tell if you're hungry or not. Um, you said before to provide a place a, a, a when and uh and a, and a how or where like where when and how what, what when and where oh what when like, and so where. The what goes on the table the when meal times are and the where they are yeah and so you've got three meals plus the two snacks and what if what if the child is wanting food between these five times during the day Generally, I'd, I'd recommend, I, I wouldn't recommend snacks in between meals. So looking at breakfast, snack, lunch, snack. And, and generally, there's not going to be that much time in between those times. Like they're going to be eating every couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so allowing that space, because what we want is when children are coming to the mealtime, that they are a little bit hungry. Like as parents, we know, oh, dinner is going to be in half an hour. Like um, they, don't, they don't necessarily need a snack now that we're going to be eating soon. If every mealtime you're finding, like I've, I've noticed with my children, they come home from school really hungry. So we've actually moved our dinner a bit earlier and we'll have a snack before bed. So I've oh. moved dinner to around 4.35 o'clock so that they can eat kind of sooner from coming in from school because they're really, really starving when they come in from school. Mm. Um, so if you're finding that the mealtimes that you've got as a family aren't really working for your children, shifting times to work for them can be helpful. Um, 
And one of the things that we also know that's really important with fussy eating is, is having family meals, trying to sit down and connect as a family as much as you can, because children learn from seeing us eating. If they kind of see us eating broccoli, they were like, oh, broccoli's not that scary. It's not that bad. Mum's eating it and she didn't die. <laughs> um, so children need repeated exposure on a regular basis without any pressure to eat it. Um, so the food is just there. We're, and pressure can be really subtle. Pressure can be just have one more mouthful. Just taste it. Just try it. It tastes really good. Or the sales pitch like, oh, but if you eat carrots, they'll help you see in the dark. <laughs> Those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so the more we pressure children to eat, the less they eat. Mm. And it's the same with the opposite. The more we try and restrict a child from eating more than what we think they need, the more they will eat because they won't trust that they're going to get enough. So our job is to put the food on the table and making sure there's at least one thing that they will eat. So if you've got a child that is quite selective with their eating, making sure there's at least one of their preferred foods on the table, even if it's just plain pasta or plain bread or um, peanut butter toast, <laughs> making sure there's one thing that they can get their fill of so that the mealtime is a, a, a pleasant place for them to feel that they can come, mm. um, that they can come to the table. There's something they can eat. And the focus on the, at the mealtime should not be about how much people are eating or what they're eating or making sure they're having something. The focus should be about connecting as a family because when we do that the rest will come when we focus on the food it becomes this big thing and and pressure gets in the way and and we just get stuck in this cycle of of trying to get our children to eat um and it's not our jobs to get them to eat it's our jobs to provide the food in a in a comfortable environment without any pressure and let them then trust their bodies and learn how to eat mm. this has been really really interesting <laughs> <laughs> if if parents or caregivers who are listening uh, want to find out more information uh, how can they do that um we if you have a look on our website we've got um the foodtree.co and um, which people are like is there an nz or a dot com or, no it's just dot co dot co um we've got a couple of different online programs so i've got a, an online workshop on starting solids with your with your um baby and it really looks, it goes through the usual stuff about kind of choking and, and allergies and, and first foods and stuff. But it also really looks at that relationship with food from the very beginning. So that, so that even at that stage, you're really tuning into your child's hunger and fullness cues and, and letting them learn to trust their bodies. So, um, and then we have another one on toddler feeding that really goes through all the, they're kind of selective eating or fussy eating and or just even just if your child's eating well just how you approach food in a way that helps them develop that body autonomy and, and mm -hmm. positive relationship with food and their bodies mm -hmm. um some people if they need extra help they can do an online i do zoom calls and stuff like that so i've got people that i see in germany or america or different places all over so um i can work with different time zones and stuff but generally my online workshop kind of it's it's better value for money because you've you're getting the best of me <laughs> I kind of I spent so many hours recording and re-recording to make sure I say the right the thing that I want to say in the right way and and kind of so it's it's a mixture of kind of videos and me talking and slides and stuff so that's probably the first port of call for people um, but if they need any extra information we've also got our, our Facebook group so people can ask questions in there as well so, yeah okay great 
thank you so so much for coming on today <laughs> and sharing what you know with our audience i think there'll be a lot of parents out there who are having light bulb moments and feeling feeling inspired to make some changes so really thank Brilliant. you so much for this you're welcome